Okay, well, good evening and welcome to Gospel Baptist Church Bible Study. And uh, we're going to go through, continue, uh, we're going to bring ourselves up to speed of where we were at so far. So, we're looking at dispensationalism, a systematic approach to scripture. And so, we're looking at the, what we've discovered so far, what we've been looking at so far in this dispensation of promise is Abraham's journey from south, you can see from Ur, all the way up into Haran, and he came down into the promised land. And then we are entering into the period of the patriarchs where they were in the promised land. So Terah then sat before Canaan. God promised three things. What were the three things that God promised? The land. Blessing. Or seed. And then blessing is the third one. Good. Okay. Okay, then Abraham believed and God counted on to him for? Righteousness is good, okay? And then God made a covenant with Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, again, Genesis chapter 15. And, and then God changed their names. God changed Sarai to Sarah and Abraham to Abraham. Good, all right. And he reiterated his promise. I think he gave his promise about three times to Abraham. Then um, we asked the question last week, who was the firstborn? Was it Ishmael, as the Arabs would believe, and and uh, followers of Muhammad, uh, Islamists would believe, or would it be Isaac? And the Bible says, in Isaac, Hebrews 11, in Isaac shall I see him called. And that's the big war that's going on right now in the Middle East. Who's the son of Abraham? Okay, Abraham then was willing to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, and that's Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19. And, then, and of course, we talked about last week as well, that the, the, um, the, the, the People, the Muslims believe that that was Ishmael was offered up as a sacrifice and not or off, was Abraham was willing to offer up Ishmael, not Isaac. Okay, but that picture is, but it wasn't, of course, it was, it was Isaac. And this picture is a substitutionary atonement of Christ, where Christ actually was uh, offered up. And as we mentioned last week, the Muslims believe that Christ actually wasn't offered up and Jesus wasn't offered up at all. They believe he was substituted for somebody else. But anyway. And then we talked about Isaac marrying Rebecca, and then we talked about about Esau sold his birthright for what? What did Esau get in in um, what did he get for the, for his birthright? Food. Food. Just shoes and pottage, okay? And uh, then God appeared to Isaac after that, and God reiterated his promise, and. Then Joseph then stole with the help of, of, of his mom. He stole, I said Joseph, Jacob stole the blessing. So Esau sold the birthright and then Jacob stole the blessing. So he had the, birth, the blessing and the birthright. And then Esau became the father of the Edomites. So we looked again at that last week. Then, then we looked at Jacob's ladder. And Jacob's ladder then was where Jacob some believe that the land itself was a picture of Christ, and it was Christ in this Christophany or a theophany, depends which way you look at it. And that is uh, Christ in the Old Testament. And then we looked last time, last week, about Jacob with Laban. How long did Jacob stay with Laban? 14 years. 14 years. Yeah, he labored 14 years for two daughters, but and then he stayed with another how many years? Almost six, so give me about 20 years, okay? That was 20 years late, and then Jacob was reconciled with Esau, his brother, and we saw that in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, 
And when Jacob was going to be re reconciled with his brother, and God changed Jacob's name to what? Israel. Yeah, this was last week, and then we see. Let's just look at this for a second. We didn't really deal with this last week, but we see that Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, and then they had their concubines, uh, Zilpah and Bilhah. So if you like, he had four wives. So out of those, after his first wife, Leah, he wanted Rachel, and he ended up with Leah, but he ended up having six children by Leah. And the first four came in a row Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. That's the first four sons. Then he had two sons by. Uh, by Bilhah, which was Rachel's uh, bond servant, so Dan and Naphtali. And then he had two sons by the other bond uh, slave, Gad and Asher Zilpah. So that's the two bond slaves and, 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 um, and Leah. And then God opened up Rachel's womb and he had his final two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And Jacob, or, or should I say, Rachel named Benjamin Benoni, which means son of my sorrow, okay? And God renamed, uh, not God, I, I suppose it was God, but, but Jacob renamed him Benjamin. I can't remember what Benjamin means. It certainly wasn't so, so sorrow. So those are the 12 tribes of Israel. And that looked again at that last week, so I'm just quickly going over that. Then Jacob's firstborn. Who was Jacob's firstborn? Okay, Judah. So, yeah, you can start there, isn't it? Okay, that's us. So Judah, so God bypassed Reuben and Simeon and Levi because of their sin. We looked at that last week, okay? And God's profess, progressively revealing his, his plan over time. Then we looked at Joseph last week, and Joseph is, was uh, the favored son, okay? And he's the favored son of Rachel, but he was hated by his brothers. When they saw their opportunity, they sold them to who? Who's he sold to? Ishmaelites or Midianites, okay? They're Midianites, but also called Ishmaelites. And these first men that brought Joseph to Egypt, right? Let's go to Genesis 37, verse 28. Genesis 37, verse 28. <laughs> Genesis 37, verse 28 says this. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lit up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that we can study tonight with two incredible lessons as we look at the overall picture. Lord, help us see your overall plan. I pray we rejoice in it and help us to understand your word better. Through reading and studying in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Alright, so so Joseph then was sold into slavery in Egypt. And we looked again at that last week. So while in Egypt, Joseph then interpreted a dream for Pharaoh, which told him there was going to be seven years of plentiful harvest, and then seven years of what? Famine. Okay, that's Genesis chapter 41, verse 30. Let's turn there. Genesis chapter 41, verse 30. <clears throat> Jacob's, or sorry, Joseph said this, There shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. Isn't it interesting that when hard times come, we forget the blessing? We always want to live in the time of blessing, don't we? And it's human nature, isn't it? But uh, here it is, that the hard times coming upon Egypt, but of course God used Joseph to prepare Egypt and the rest of the world for the hard times. Praise God, he always knows how to raise the right people up at the right time to prepare others. 
And then God used famine to draw Jacob and his sons out of Canaan to Egypt where they would be under Joseph's care and Egypt's protection. Genesis 46. Genesis 46. Looking at verse 1. Genesis 46, verse 1. <clears throat> and Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. He said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Okay, so here is God telling Joseph, uh, Jacob should I say, that he will see Joseph again, and he, and he told them that uh, God would bless, God would bless um, Jacob and his family and make of them wash. Either a laughing stock, an example, or a great nation. What's the answer? Great. A great nation. Well done. All right. So, um, so here we see the sovereignty of God. We see God is hate. So, so Jacob's son is hated by his brothers, but we see them that he responds in grace. Let's talk about the sovereignty of God for a second. Joseph recognized God's sovereign work in sending him ahead of his family into Egypt. And Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, after Jacob had died, Joseph made the statement, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto what? Good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And again, this reminder that we don't like trials, we don't like difficulties, we don't like frustrations, but God knows how to use all those things for what our lives. So whenever we're going through a difficult time, always remember God wants to bring you good out of this. It's a good thing for us to remember. Okay, so after some time passed, the family of Jacob and Joseph were no longer honored guests. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1. So we're now out of Genesis, we're now in the book of Exodus. So Exodus chapter 1, verse 7 to 13. So, if they were no longer honored guests, what did they become? Slaves. Okay, so at first became servants, and then they became slaves. So they entered into servitude, okay? So just Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, says this. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, <clears throat> lest they multiply and they come to pass that when there falls out any more, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore did they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasures such as Python and Ramesses. And we are going to verse... 13, two more verses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. What's rigor? Much hard. Hard, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is where they started. You know, that is one of the archaeological digs. They found pictures like that in case. So that was what they they, they, they were treated very harshly then, and they had a very difficult time. So under the dispensation of promise, Abraham's family failed to obey God by leaving the promised land to settle in Egypt. The resulting 
Judgment was slavery in Egypt for 400 years. So let's talk about the failure of man. So what was Israel's failure in this dispensational promise? What was their failure? Where were they meant to be? God promised them three things. What did he say? Land. Blessing. Egypt wasn't their land. Exactly. So they do. So, so what they did is they failed. By Abraham's descendants failed under the dispensation of promise when they chose to stay in Egypt. Okay. And um, <clears throat> after the famine ended, it was well and comfortable there. It was safe and comfortable there. And for a while, it was not the land of promise where God wanted them to dwell, though. So for a while, they, they, they stayed there. And you can see a picture of ancient Gosh. Again, I, I wish I had my pointer. I ran out of batteries. I have to, get, I have to remind myself to get batteries. Anyway, you can see Gosh in there. And that they should have been over there. Over here somewhere. In Israel. Okay? So they were in the wrong place. And they, did, they stayed there way too long. So what was God's judgment upon them for, for that? Slavery. That's exactly what happened. So it was oppression, 400 years of oppression. Genesis chapter 15. Let's quickly go back there. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Genesis 15, verse 13 says this. And he said unto Abraham, Know for surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Wow, that's a long time, isn't it? Yes, John, you have a question. Why did Joseph have um, his family go to Egypt then? Wasn't that God's will? Okay, that's a good question. So was it God's will for, for, for the children of Israel to, to go to Egypt during the famine? Was that God's will? I think during the famine was exceptional circumstances. You have to go stay alive. Basically. Yep, yes, so it was God's will for them to go. Yes? My question is, do you think the Israelites are worshipping Egyptian gods and that could have been a judgment because all the way through Israel history, if they start worshipping other gods, they get judgment of slavery. Well, it, it, it's very possible that they started worshiping, but they were segregated, segregated in their own area of Goshen and they were also in slavery. So I would say that it wasn't the rule of thumb because they had their own section, but they also were, were treated second-class citizens. So to maintain their own, own identity, they would have maintained a certain level of Jehovah worship. But obviously it came in, okay? Obviously it came in. Okay, so um, but maybe we won't have a ton of questions right now, okay? So um, God's judgment then was, of course, that they were to, um, they were have 400 years of oppression. And again, Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 is another prophecy that this would happen. Now, let's take a look now. We're going to look at an overview and see what we've covered so far. And we're going to follow themes to the Bible because I think this is really, really interesting so far. So here's a general outline of it. So Archbishop Usher dates creation in 4004 BC. So I don't know exactly when creation began, but um, let's say somewhere between 4000, 5000, 6000 BC, somewhere in there. Disposition of innocence, okay? And then that ended, okay? When did, when did innocence end? The fall. The fall. The, the fall. Okay. And then conscience began. And conscience ended where? What, what was the point where conscience ended? The flood. the flood. That's exactly right. So the flood was somewhere in the region of 200 
2350 to 2460 BC, somewhere in that region, okay? It's been dated somewhere in there. So, so 23, 2400, somewhere in there, okay? And then that from conscious down to human government, um, sorry, so the human government then the promise. So promise was with who? Moses. Abraham, just before Moses, right? So, so, so that was around 1800 BC, thereabouts. And then the promise would go down, what, what would be the next dispensation after that? The law. The law. Does anybody know the date? We have an exact date of that because the Bible actually dates it. Because we know archaeologists are really, really clear on when, when, when um, Solomon began to reign. So we can date back from Solomon, from 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We can date the, the Exodus. Does anybody know the date? The Exodus is 1445 BC. So we can date it pretty accurately to 1445 BC. So then the law was given a year afterwards. So what's after 1445 BC? Yeah, exactly, because we're going backwards. So the law was 1444 BC. So, so we know what the law was. So, so, then, so you have a timeline of these different dispensations. Any questions on that? Okay, all right, so let's look at some important themes. As we, so I want to just have a, a timeline of what was going on with the dispensation. Now let's follow some themes. I think this is really interesting. First of all, um, God chooses who he's going to work with. God, we don't choose. As Lord, I, you know, we can say, Lord, here my send me. That's a wonderful thing to say. But God chooses who he's going to use for certain tasks. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God has a plan. We just want to get on board with God's plan. Amen? That's what we want, okay? So, he, he, his first place, the first person he chose was Seth. Adam and Eve had many sons. Of those, God chose Seth's line to work with. Now, how many sons did Adam have? Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. We don't know how many sons he had, okay? So, we know he had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. We know he had Seth. We know he had sons and daughters. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. We don't know how many, okay? But of all those sons and daughters, God chose Seth's line. Okay, and of all sets and descendants, who did God choose next? Very clearly. Okay, so we're going way before this. So he's like the seventh son of the Adam, I think it is at this stage. Does anybody know? Noah. Yeah, yeah, so I just have to go through Yeah, so then God chose Noah. Okay, and he didn't choose anyone else. So God was going to work directly through Noah, Noah's line, no one else. Okay, so we're seeing this theme through the scriptures. Okay, and then um, of those Noah's three sons, who did God choose? Shem. Shem. Okay, God chose Shem. Okay, okay, he didn't choose Shaham, he didn't choose Japheth. Okay, he chose Shem through whom, through whom he was going to work. And then Within a few generations, then God narrowed his focus from Shem down to who? David. Abraham, okay? Okay, Abraham, so um, not so far. Okay, so we have back up a little bit to Abraham, okay? And so we're seeing this, this we're seeing this God narrowing in, God choosing who he's going to use, Genesis chapter 12, then God starts to use Abraham. So with the giving of the Abrahamic covenant, God's now identified one family for whom he's going to reveal his glory to mankind. Even then, God chose, and um, who did God choose after choosing Abraham? Abraham, Isaac. Isaac, okay, because Abraham had two sons. Ishmael rejected Isaac. Then after Isaac? Jacob. Jacob, okay. Then God chose Jacob, okay. He didn't choose, he chose the son of Isaac. He didn't choose the son of Ishmael. This is what's wrong. Again, people, how do I word this? 
Islam rejects the scriptures. They say they don't, but they really do. They, they say they don't reject the first five books of the Bible, but they really do. And they reject uh, the fact that God chose Isaac. And in Isaac shall I see the call, it says in Hebrew. But God chose Isaac, he didn't choose Ishmael. The Ishmael had 12 sons, we looked at that last week. Okay, Isaac had, had true Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. And that, that's who God chose. So then God chose Jacob over Esau for Isaac's two sons, and Jacob's name was then changed to what? Israel. Israel. Okay? So that's the nation of Israel. So then God would work through the nation of Israel. So we, we see, you see how God works here? This is really important, because we see the overall picture, this is how God works, okay? So we can't contravene God's plan. God has a plan. God wants to work through certain individuals and certain things. By the way, as I jump ahead, I'm jumping way ahead, God's no longer working with the nation of Israel. He will deal with the nation of Israel again, okay? They're sort of laid aside, and uh, so um, they are political interest to us. But who is God working through right now? Gentiles. Gentiles. Can we be more specific? Because God works through specific God church. God works through the church. It's not like somebody can say, well, I don't want to go to church. I'm just going to set a home and worship God on my own. What's wrong with that? When we're looking at this picture here, what's wrong with that? It's not how God works. I don't feel like going to church. I just stay at home. You know, I just watch online or whatever like that. It's not about watching online, folks. It's not about sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, although that's important. It's about being part of what God is doing, part of God's plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is really, really important. And we, we look at this maybe as we go along because God works specifically. Yes? Sir, sir. <laughs> uh, we know that. God worked through the Hebrews as long as the Hebrew nation had lived up to the time of Christ and then they were set aside for a while. Do you think Ezekiel 37 8 and what, uh, refers to Israel in its present condition? Maybe. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews of the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was yeah. no breath in them. Yes. Is that current, present day Israel? No, I, I would say that's a picture you follow all the way through and, and this flesh. That's talking about the revival of the nation of Israel. And many think that scripture to talk about what happened in 1948. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, or the whole, all the way through 1948. Yeah, yes. The whole passage. Yes, yes, yes. So, and then, but then when, when they stood up and God put a spirit in them, I think that ultimately fulfilled at the end of the tribulation period. When they will look on. When they receive him as a Messiah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So but that particular verse does refer to 48 and the resurrection of the nation of Israel, but there's no breath in them, so they have no... Yeah. That's when I read that, it's, there is no breath and there's no yes, yes. Christ in them. Right. There is in us. Right. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And many would see it that way as well. You know, so we're looking at the overall picture. So that's why that's why church is so important. And people can't contravene God's plan. People can't say, Well, I don't want to I don't like church because you know churches are full of hypocrites. I think that's a bad argument. Now, what's wrong with the argument that, that we're looking at this as God works through? Let me, let me back up here and ask the question. I lost my train of thought, so I'm going to go back to it. What would happen if people says, you know, I know God's working through Noah, but I don't want to work with Noah. I want to do my own thing. What do you think would happen to people thinking that way? They would drown. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how important it is. We have to see how God works through scriptures. And he works through his church. So we can't, we can't be independent and want to do our own thing. We've got to be part of what God is doing. We don't choose how God works. Like if I was living in Israel and I was a, I was a Jew, I, I, I couldn't say, well, I don't want to be part of the church. I don't want to be part of the Gentile stuff. 
I want, I want to be part of the nation of Israel. I don't choose how God does stuff. God chooses. Okay, that's why it's really important. So I think this theme all the way through the scripture is actually really interesting and quite important. Okay, and then, <clears throat> then God narrowed his choice through the narrowing. What was the next narrowing? Before we get to the church age, who, who else specifically did God work to? Can anybody think of it? To the nation of Israel. How does it get more narrow than that? Before we get to the church age. That's exactly right. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. So he's the seed of the woman, the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a lamb of God. He's the he's lion of the tribe of Judah. That's exactly right. And he's and he works specifically through the seed of the woman. Hebrews chapter eleven. <coughs> Hebrews eleven, please. Hebrews eleven. <coughs> So he was, he was willing, he said, no, he said, I will bear the blame of, 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 of what, of what Benjamin might have done by stealing the cup type of thing. And, and uh, but why, and again, before we answer the whole question, why did you, Reuben, why did, why did you do that? What was his motive? His motive was to not see his father Jacob go down. Yeah, he talked about the last one. He didn't want to see his father go down with his gray hair. So his heart had changed to carry with him. See, when he uh, said that sell Joseph into slavery, when he gave his voice against Joseph, okay, he didn't care about the father. But there was a complete shift. And you know, he now cared about the father. And so because of that shift in his thinking, God blessed him and said, okay, you know, and God forgot his past, which is amazing. Jenny, do you have a question? Your dad had lied. He said, he told me a certain candidate for, for presidential candidate, he said he's unelectable, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I'd love to, I, I wish I'd asked him more about that because I wouldn't like to get his mind on that, but that's, I'll talk to him in heaven. But the point is, Reuben was unelectable. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, he, he crossed the line when he went up on his father's bed. That's a very good phrase. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I think that's really good. Some that. sins that all sins can be forgiven, but the consequences, some sin, like a, a divorced man becoming a pastor, he becomes yeah. unelectable. No, I wouldn't say that, but what I would say is he, 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 he was God's sidestep. God says, okay, you cross the line, no. But you think Judah would have, but, but Judah found redemption for the Lord, which is amazing. Judah had a relationship with We won't get into that today, but yes, he did. I mean, he did a lot of bad stuff, but, but, but yeah, absolutely, that's God's grace. 
So, but praise God. I want us to see how God narrowly works, okay? And I, I want us to realize, I want to be part of God's plan. It doesn't want, matter what other people do. It doesn't matter how many uh, people don't want to get on the ark. If that's God's plan, God's plan, I want to get on the ark. And it doesn't matter if other people say the church is full of hypocrites. They say, how would you argue that people say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Why, why, do, you, why, why do you go to church? How would you answer that? Well, they're not all part of the same bush. Okay, that's one reason. Somebody else? Hospital full of sick people. Yeah, hospital full of sick people. Absolutely. Somebody else. Good. They're making the, the church and God's organization of the church is being hypocritical. It's not the church. It's Exactly. You know, and so my answer would be, yep, church is full of hypocrites, and people outside their church are hypocrites too. And I suppose you're probably a hypocrite yourself if you really took a good look at yourself. We're all hypocrites in some way, shape, or form. So let's get past that, okay, and stop making it an excuse so to not be part of God's program, you know? So, anyway, any questions on that before you move on? Just a great question. Was the sin for children so what we want to do what she did? Because she purposely wants to I would answer She's taking matters into her own hands. Yes, I would put her in the exact same category as 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 a uh, okay. uh, 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 Lot's daughters. Do you know what I'm saying? Where they what they did was wrong. But it was wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. You don't see how that can be evil. But yeah, at the same time, the yeah, amazing thing is the daughter of God, who the father of the yeah. Yeah, yeah, Faris. Faris was a, was, a, was a daughter, was a son through to Tamar, Tamar, Tamar. Yeah. But, but they look at, but these are this is the lynch of the Messiah. God forgave. God forgave David and Bathsheba again, the godly nine. God forgave uh, um, uh, Rahab, a harlot. Do you know what I'm saying? But so the thing is, obviously. They responded right under scrutiny. Like Reuben obviously didn't respond right. Simeon Levi obviously didn't respond right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I got caught, you know? How should Simeon, the other way David was basically raped or whatever, yeah. how should that have been dealt with? Well, we don't go for David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And he had given his judgment. I, I have a message on this, okay? So I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to go back. David said, I have sinned against the Lord with Nishi, with, with, with Uriah, uh, to be confronted by Nathan. And Nathan gave a parable telling him about a man who's a rich man who took a, 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 a poor man's sheep. And David said, He shall restore fourfold, okay, and he shall surely die. God gave David fourfold judgment by his own judgment. God brought his own judgment upon him. If you follow through, David takes four judgments, oh, and, and, and then when David said, I've sinned against the Lord, then Nathan said, you, you won't die, because you acknowledge of your sin. Do, so do you understand what I'm saying? So and under law, he should have died. Correct. But God had mercy because he confessed his sin. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but there's always consequences for our sin. Exactly. So the issue is not what you do, it's how you respond to what you do. We all mess up, but how do we respond? That makes all the difference. And Judah's response grafted him into the messianic line and made him firstborn. Okay, so these are great questions. Okay, so then um, Hebrews 11 verse 8 to 10, it says here, <coughs> Hebrews 11 verse 8, By faith Abraham... 
when he was called to go out into a place which he, which he should not receive an inheritance obeyed, and went out not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So, I am looking for a city. Of course, this land is a chosen people. The promise of seed of woman would bring salvation to a fallen land. I have no idea what that scripture has to do with that. Okay. Anyway, praise the Lord. It's a great scripture. Okay, let's move on. All right, so God chooses who he's going to work with, and he also, um, God calls for separation. Abraham obeyed God with this promise in mind. When God called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees, Genesis chapter 12, let's go Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And somebody could go to 2 Corinthians 6, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. John, you can read that for me. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred. What's your kindred? Family. From thy father's house. What's your father's house? Your city. Home. Yeah. Well, and it's your extended family. Get away from it all. Okay? Okay? And so, question, should Lot have gone with Abraham? I mean, that's the big question. Yeah? I suppose that would be the opinion, all right? But Terah brought Lot, though. Abraham didn't bring Lot. Anyway, um, so anyway, it says, get thee out of thy, thy, thy family, get away from your kindred, your father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I suppose that Abraham brought Lot beyond that, didn't he, I suppose? So, uh, and, and, uh, so that's separation. So there was... Mesopotamia, Babylon, Iraq, depending on what year, is changed names, okay? Wicked, godless countries, okay? A lot of paganism. And God said, I want you to leave all that paganism behind. They worship false gods. Leave that all behind. Leave early Chaldees. And he said, and he was speaking to uh, Abraham to separate himself from the influence of the Chaldean culture and religious system of pagan deities and astrology. You know, do you think Ireland is caught up with astrology? Tower cards, mediums, readings, fortune tellers, you know, and the signs, all the star signs and all that type of stuff. And then people can go deeper into Ouija boards and all that type of stuff. But that's all astrology. Because get away from all that stuff, okay? Throughout scripture, God repeatedly causes people to come out. Second Corinthians chapter six verse seventeen, John. Or, or come out from among them and be separated, save the Lord, and push up unto the gate, and I will receive you. So if you if you separate yourself from that pagan culture, God says, I will receive you. What happens if you don't separate yourself from that pagan culture? God can't receive you, and there is this different distance. So people who refuse to separate themselves from pagan culture. And put a distance between themselves and the Lord. So either we're going to separate ourselves from our culture, or we're going to separate ourselves from God. You can't have both. You can't have the culture and Christ. You've got to make a choice. Okay? And so that is a picture we see in Scripture. Very important. So God chooses who he's going to work with. He calls for separation. And then finally, God communicates revelation. Again, this might be helpful to you. Genesis chapter 11. Let's all turn there. Genesis chapter 11. We're all there, actually, I think. <clears throat> So in the Garden of Eden, God communicated his revelation directly to Adam, 
who passed it on to his family in his capacity as his family's priest. So it was Adam's job to pass on the word of God to his family. This revelation was passed on through Seth's line until Noah took it onto the ark. And it was word of mouth, it was, it was verbal revelation, okay? So it was all word of mouth, it was verbal revelation. And then, and then um, because Shem lived 502 years beyond the flood, we see that in Genesis 11, verse 10 and 11, it says here, these are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old, and he got Arphaxa 200, sorry, two years after the flood, and Shem lived after he began Arphaxa's five, 500 years, and he got sons and daughters. So we see um, Shem living a long time. It would be possible for him to communicate his revelation in person. Now listen to this. Because of Shem's living alive so long, he could have in person communicated his revelation to Abraham and Isaac and even Jacob. Could you imagine that? Oh, it's great, 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 and he is telling us what it was like during the flood. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so this was a word about communication verbally at first, okay? And so what I want to say is that the um, liberals who don't believe this Bible say, oh, the teachings of Jesus were communicated word about for a couple of hundred years. Now, that's partially true. The teachings of Jesus were communicated word, word, word about for a couple of decades, okay? And then after it was, after it was verbal communication of God's revelation, what happened next? What did God give? Yeah, or the, the, the word of God, exactly, okay, which eventually led to the Gospels, right? So then God had it scripturation. So, leaving aside Job, who was the first to inscripturate? Moses. Moses, okay. So, Job, good argument, Job could be before that. Even possibility, um, Adam could have written down scripture, okay? And could have inscripturated the first five books, okay? That's possible, okay? That, that, that their theories were 100% sure, and there's some good arguments, but the point is that, that, that um, after it was verbal revelation, then it was in scripture, it was written down. Now, I want to tell you something. People, the liberals, unbelievers will say, well, the followers of Jesus, it was word of mouth, word of mouth, and then a couple hundred years after Jesus died, then the gospels were written. Okay, they just make that up. Okay? Who wrote Matthew? Who was Matthew? Who was the disciple of Jesus? Who wrote Mark? John Mark. Who wrote Luke? Luke. Who wrote John? John himself. Okay? Who was John? A disciple of Jesus. He was the apostle. So these were people who were eyewitnesses, people who were right there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So all of those things were happened word of mouth for a certain amount of time. It was then in scripture, the liberals take it, they stretch that. Why do the liberals stretch that? They're trying to cause us to lose confidence in the word of God and say, ah, are you sure they got it right? But no, of course they got it right because holy men of God speak and say, we're what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's exactly right. So, but there, it was verbally shared at first and then it was written by scripture and again Moses wrote down the first five books of the Bible. So, um, where am I now? So the patriarchs could have heard first 
person accounts of the flood and even of life before the flood. This revelation would have been carried into Egypt by Jacob to be preserved up to the time it was recorded by Moses. God was preserving his word for us. So we see some important themes in the scriptures as we finish this, this off. I think the next time we go to this, we are going to be moving on to the law of Moses, if I'm not mistaken. Any questions on this so far? No? Okay. Well, let's, let me just read, when we stop the video, let me just read a prayer. Yeah.